the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Tuesday, May 22nd. Coming up, National Buy a Musical Instrument Day and a one and a two. Plus, seven ways Christians can affirm a positive future for Palestinians. Our guest, Robert Nicholson. Also later this hour, a story about parents who are suing their 30-year-old child for not moving out. It's a millennial issue. And the legacy of scripture in the Latino Protestant Church in America, our guest, Eric Rivera. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get things going. Here's John Hall and Kathy Emmons. All that and more. Welcome. Happy that you're with us here today, the uh, Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. Kath, good to see you. I see that you have your pirate uh, jersey on today. I'm psyched about the Cincinnati series. Well, let's hope so. Do you because, know why? Uh, okay, this is, because this is, this is the uh, pattern that the Pirates have set up, mm. is that they blow it over a series with a team, like the Phillies or the Nationals. A mediocre team. A medi- well, but the Nationals are a pretty good team. Phillies are a pretty good team, right? The Nationals are a better team. Anyway, look, look but, we just lost to. but look how they rebound. Yeah. They rebound and then they win the next series or the next two series. So we are on the upswing. We're due for a rebound. I feel okay. really good about it. Yes, yeah, so I'm all good. dressed up. My, um, I was with my parents this morning mm-hmm. and my mom uh, wearing a uh, Pirates sweatshirt as well. Nice. Nanny all decked out. At the family. Did, did mm-hmm. they, have they been to PNC Park uh, recently? Uh, no, they have not. No. But they watch every Excellent. single game. Very they good. never miss a single Pirate game. Nice. You know why? Because it's the right thing to do. Of course, because they're homers. Mm -hmm, Exactly. All right. National Buy a Musical Instrument Day, John Mm -hmm, and Mike. mm -hmm. I want to ask both of you Mm -hmm. if you played a musical instrument as a child. I did not. I did. I played the trumpet in fourth grade. Did you? Just in fourth grade. Just in fourth grade. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? You just played the trumpet in fourth grade? Yeah, just What happened to fifth grade? I switched to the drums. Oh. I was like, you know what? I don't dig the trumpet anymore. Okay, oh, okay yeah. I, I dig the drums. I mean, a fourth drums grader. Are, was, it a mean, gr- was it a girl thing? Like, girls don't pay as much attention to trumpet players as drummers? Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fourth grade, I wasn't really focusing on girls. I was mm-hmm. like, but I just thought the drums were a lot cooler than a trumpet. Well, of course they are. So Right, because it's, it's good to bang on things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So what about uh, your drum career then? Where did that go? Um... I was in a... I was in a punk rock band. Nice. All through my junior... And senior high school career. Okay. And we played at coffee shops. It was a lot of fun. Great. And uh, I kind of miss it, actually. I haven't, I haven't drummed in probably like three and a half years. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's a punk a rock band sound like in a coffee shop? Well, it, sounds like, it, was an, like, it was an outside venue coffee shop. It sounds shop. like a lot of <laughs> slamming on the toms yeah, and yeah. the uh, the snare. That's what it is. Just it a lot of fun. Yeah. Four. Okay, so you yourself, uh, have you bought, purchased a musical instrument? Um, I, you, you yourself? Um, no. Mm-hmm. But I had musical instruments <laughs> purchased, for, purchased you. for me. Nice. Which mm-hmm. were? Well, I, you know, my mom was a piano teacher. Oh, of course. So, so there was a piano in the house. Yeah. So I was, I was clearly going to learn how to play the piano because there was no option there. And I'm very, very glad I learned how to play the piano. And then when I was in fourth grade, similar to when Mike was choosing the uh, trumpet at the same time in my life, I chose the flute. 
Oh. And it's funny that it's National uh, Biomusical Instrument Day because just days ago I was cleaning out my attic. Um, I am on a giant purge at my house. Mm-hmm. I've lived in the same home for 20 years this summer. Time to get rid of it. It's not, not to get rid of the house. <laughs> no. Okay. No, 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 oh. no, no. I'm staying in the house. I thought you said a giant I, purge. No, no, go, okay. no, no. I would like to get rid of half of the things, not the people, but half of the things in the house. There's How's just that going? no reason. It's going great. 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 I've made uh, se- seven trips to either Goodwill or Amazon. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So did that Car- include some sort of a flute? I found my flute. Mm. I found my flute. It was underneath. I didn't even know that I had it. Okay. Now, this has not touched my lips or my fingers since sixth grade. Whoa. Wow. Okay. In a case? So in a case. Oh. In a case. I found it and I like hooted out loud. I was like, oh, I couldn't believe it was there. I picked it up and I thought, I wonder if I even remember how to put it together. Did you? I did. Okay. As soon as it came, I was like muscle memory. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, yeah, I know, yeah. What, I know what this is. I yeah, know yeah. what this is. Then I played it. How'd that sound? Awful. <laughs> really bad. But I bet your husband could play it. He probably could play it. I did not ask him to because I don't want to be compared to him yeah. in that way. <laughs> but sadly, my daughter, who's 16 years old, was present while I was playing mm. and took a video of it. Mm. Oh, oh, we yeah, you post that flute? Which, no, absolutely oh, really? Come not. On. No, because not only am I playing the flute like horribly, but I'm in my pajamas that I've been cleaning the attic in. Mm. For, it's like I got out of bed and just decided I'm going to nuke these clothes in here, so I might as well just keep my pajamas on. So I'm wearing my pajamas and wearing Crocs oh. while I'm cleaning the attic and playing a flute. Mm, that's a lot going on there. Okay, so National Buy a Musical Instrument Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I wonder if you can guess the most popular instrument to learn to play in America. Drums. Uh, you think? Has no, I... The most the popular. Coolest. I would say probably... The, the question is not what is the coolest. Probably the flute. I'm sad to say you're both wrong. Oh. Do you have another guess? Trumpet. Um, trombone. Clarinet. Trombone. Come on. My husband's a trombone player. Xylophone? You certainly don't play trombone because you're going to be popular. No. And it's- <laughs> Timpani. <laughs> no. What, no. What would that be? Can I just tell you? Yes. Uh, piano. Of course. Is the number yeah, one. Makes perfect I, mean, I can't believe Everyone you take, didn't Did your kids take piano? Yeah, yes. Yeah, but yeah. They both so did mine. They both did. Yeah. Uh, the number two instrument uh, most popular in America right now to learn how to play is the guitar. Mm-hmm. Number three is the violin. What? Uh-huh. I would think it would be the, uh, the ukulele has no. made a, a strong comeback. The ukulele is it not. It has, has it not? It has not made a strong comeback. The ukulele comeback. has been very hipsterish. Okay, that's not a strong comeback. That mm-hmm. means a couple people are playing it. <laughs> okay. Number three is violin. Four is drums. Okay. Five uh-huh. is saxophone. Six is flute. Seven is cello. Eight is clarinet. Nine is trumpet. And ten, a surprisingly high showing for the harp. The harp. Harp. That is not mobile at all. I'm surprised that my instrument's not on there because mine is like the most um, democratic of all. What's, well, you said you didn't play an instrument. Well, I did. But, well, you well, know, you, what? You orchestra. forgot? No, it's you the kazoo. lied? You misled us? It's the kazoo. Oh, kazoo. So, you know, the kazoo is an instrument, is it not? That's about my musical style. I don't think a kazoo is an instrument. I think it's just like a weird. A novelty? Like, it, I, think it's a, I think it's just an explanation of how physics works. What about uh, the harmonica? Harmonica is a great instrument. Yeah, yeah. I would love to play the yeah, harmonica. Well, I li- right. When you think of someone who plays the harmonica, does anybody come to mind? No, Django Reinhardt. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I love Django Reinhardt. It's a very good call, Stevie Wonder. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> Stevie Wonder is a great, great. I mean, what? like that's such a surprise that yeah, he'd be yeah, good at the harmonica. Course, yeah. You know who else is a good harmonica player? Hmm. Shakira. Shakira, what? Mm-hmm. Really? I mean it. Really, well, I mm-hmm. think Shakira, like with the drumsticks. Well, like, boom, and, boom, 
And you sh- that's how you should think of okay. her because that's mostly what she does. That she does. But yeah. she also plays a lot of very good harmonica. <laughs> very nice. Okay, we got a good show for you. Yeah, we do. Uh, Coming up next, yeah, we've been talking a lot about Israel. Today we're going to go to the other side, talk about seven ways Christians can affirm a positive future for Palestinians. That's next. Today's Ride Home. WORD. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com, on ChristianRadio.com, on the next Radio FM chip. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101. 1.5 WORD. The nation's largest Christian music festival. Creation Northeast. Celebrating its 40th anniversary. Returns to Agape Farm in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. June 27th through the 30th. Featuring Toby Mack. 14 in Country. Jeremy Camp. Bethel Music. Mandisa. Hillsong Young and Free. Jordan Feliz. A special reunion of classic Petra and more. Plus speakers Tony Nolan, Reed Saunders, Keith Adamson, Abdul Murray, Vince Vitale, and more. Four jam-packed days of music, as well as inspiring worship and teaching on our new worship stage, where the Word of God is shared in spirit and in truth. Plus children's entertainment, candle lighting service, camping under the stars, and more. Join thousands of believers in Creation Northeast, with over 75 bands and speakers. June 27th through the 30th. Tickets and more available online at creationfest.com. Don't miss out on Creation Northeast. It will be the highlight of your summer. Maybe your life. More info at creationfest.com. Now, many of you know or have worked with my friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial, and so you know that they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance, providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans, but... Did you know that now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation? Typical savings up to 40%. Small groups, medium groups, even large groups, Marley's got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital you want. Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, even Johns Hopkins, because Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and also your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors without the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions. So why not call Marley now? Marley Financial at 724-884-1496. Find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 or online at marleyfg.com. Hi, this is Clint Hurdle, manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I want to invite you to the ballpark on Friday, July 27th for our annual Faith Night at PNC Park. After we host the Mets, Some of our players and I will be discussing what an important role that faith has played in our lives, both on and off the field. Join us and visit pirates.com slash faith night to reserve your seats. We're looking forward to seeing you at the ballpark. More details at wordfm.com slash pirates. Last week, on the day that the American embassy moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, 
there was a lot of celebration in Israel. But on the other side, as Palestinians were protesting and inching forward across the Israeli border, there was a, a mass slaughter of some 50 or 60s Palestinians. Here to talk to us about that um, is Robert Nicholson. Robert is the founder and executive director of something called the Philos Project. He wrote a piece that found its way to Christianity Today called Seven Ways Christians Can Affirm a Positive Future for Palestinians. Robert, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm well. Thank you for having me. Robert, isn't it painful to be a person who, you know, sits and observes um, the events that are related between Israel and Palestine, but also the rhetoric that comes out of the two camps and the, you know, the the hard and fast lines that people take in this country? And it seems as if there's no way to... um, to look for the best for both peoples. It seems like you have to come down on one side or the other. That's right. No, it's it's a real problem. You know, we've just celebrated, well, celebrated is probably the wrong word, but we're 70 years now after 1948, which was a year that was wonderful and a year of redemption for the Jewish people and the founding of Israel. But if you were a Palestinian, it is the most calamitous year on record. Right. And as you watch the the anniversary take place, you could actually do it uh, on split screen. You saw, you know, people celebrating in Jerusalem, especially with regard to the new U.S. embassy in that city, and then you saw Palestinians in Gaza who were really throwing themselves in desperation against the Israeli border, hoping to make change. And as somebody who has friends on both sides, it is, Kathy, it's truly tragic just to try to figure out, okay, what are we in the West supposed to do about this? Right. So, Robert, for people who are not informed, would you mind giving us just a brief history lesson of what happened in 1948? So, in 1948, uh, this was about 30 years after the British took over in the Holy Land, and the British had basically told the Jewish people, look, we're, we're in favor of a Jewish homeland, uh, and told the Palestinians or the Arabs who lived there, don't worry, this is not going to harm you. This is going to be for your benefit. So the British made two promises, both of which were kind of at odds with each other. And over the course of that 30 years, the tension just kept playing out over and over until it became very violent. Uh, In 1937, the British said, you know what, we're going to divide this land in half. We're going to give part to the Jews, part to the Arabs. You guys don't seem to be able to get along. And the Jews said, okay, it's, it's less than we wanted, but it's better than nothing, so yes, we'll take it. The Arab side said, absolutely no way, why should we give anything back to the Jews? And in 1948, uh, when the Jews declared independence in their part of that, uh, of that land, uh, five Arab states surrounding Israel said, okay, this is our moment, we're going to get rid of this thing once and for all. Um, the Jews were outnumbered. Somehow or other, the Jews won. And for Palestinians, that, that date is the Nakba, which is an Arabic word that means catastrophe. And so ever since then until now, we've been trying to figure out, okay, how do these two peoples, both of whom don't seem to be going anywhere, how do they make a future mm-hmm. living alongside each other? Right. And, you know, it's obviously easier said than done. Yes. Right. And it's, and, you know, in large part, uh, the people have been, as in any culture, and this has happened since humans started on the earth, is that they're victimized by their own leaders. Um, uh, so that, that's, that's an issue as well. So, um, 
let's take the theological perspective because I think this is a this is something that has always gotten confused, especially when we're talking about Bible believing Christians and looking at um, the nation of Israel. So um, depending on how you read the prophecies and especially the book of Revelation, um, you are going to look at the nation of Israel differently. And so some evangelical Christians who hold to a particular view of Revelation feel as if it's their obligation, no matter what, to support what Israel does. That's right. So there's, there's sort of two ways that Christians have approached Israel. One is, as you say, theological. And the other is more moral or political. And the first camp is exactly as you say. It tends to be, uh, though not only, evangelical Christians who say, you know, this whole Jews being scattered around the world for 2,000 years and suddenly out of nowhere coming back, uh, that's in the Bible, and there's something, you know, cosmically significant about 1948. It wasn't just about a people getting independence. This is about God doing something big in history. And then you have other Christians, other evangelicals, but also other denominations as well, who look at 48 and they say, look, I don't see any connection to the Bible, but I think it's, I think it's a moral exercise in Jewish self-determination. The Jewish people have been persecuted for a long time, you know, good for them. This is something that we should support, uh, but it's, this has nothing to do with theology. So you find that among the first camp, you find very, very, very strong support for Israel to the point where Israel is, is almost perfect and can do nothing wrong. Uh, in the second camp, you find strong support, but it's, it's a little more measured and, and, and a little bit more pragmatic as well. So it's sometimes in the same Christian, you find everything mixed together so that the person is actually not exactly sure why they love Israel so much, uh, which is pretty interesting. Right, but the hard thing is, if you're talking about the first group, if you're in the first group and you believe that that's what God's Word says, then there's no arguing with that group. I think that's where some of the conversation breaks down. That's right. And, and among that group, many of whom have very great you know, and, and good intentions, uh, they haven't actually thought through a lot of the practical implications of what that means. So even assuming that, yes, God, you know, the Jewish people are the chosen people, God's promises to the land and to other things are still in effect. Okay, so what does that mean for these other non-Jews who live in the land? What is Israel's obligation to care about them, to protect them, to extend rights to them, etc.? And I think for a lot of people who just sort of read the Bible, believe what it says, we love the Jews, um, there isn't a whole lot of room for many of them to think about other people who are living in the land at the same time and what it means in a practical way. And that's, that's really what my article was all about. So from a Palestinian perspective, 1948, of course, a catastrophe, Nakba. I mean, a million plus people essentially lost their homes. Then they were sort of thrown to the wind and all those descendants, all the, all the property, all that was just gone forever. So from a Palestinian perspective, we're going to create havoc at every opportunity. Um, there they were at the border of Israel and, you know, flying kites that were flamed in the hopes of setting fires and, you know, really, acting as the instigator in this. Now, from a media mm-hmm. perspective, we see the outside world. They go, well, the poor Palestinians, you know, uh, they should defend their right to occupy a space that was once theirs. And so it becomes... And Israel's ex- the, great, the aggressor. Right. So it becomes really this whirlwind of he said, she said in some way. And mm-hmm. it's a quagmire that will probably never be solved. Is that true? 
Well, well, the last part I hope isn't true. Uh, never be solved. I think there are positive indications, but I think in the meantime, absolutely. And if you're sitting, you know, it's one thing if you actually travel to the land as I often do, and you see that okay, things are much more complicated than than we thought. Yes. But if you're like 99% of Americans who see the land only through the eyes of the news media, you would think that, you know, the Jews just want to exterminate Arabs and, and all Arabs just want to exterminate the Jews. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's far more Complex. Uh, sophisticated than that, although in the case, absolutely right. What happened at the border with Gaza, the thing that we've been seeing on the news for weeks, yeah. is really uh, one group of Palestinian leaders in the, in the group Hamas telling their civilians to really uh, just make a mad dash for the Israeli border uh, to really prompt violence. I mean, mm-hmm. getting Israel to respond violently was the goal of these protests. Mm-hmm. And when Israel did, the Hamas uh, propaganda machine really made hay out of it. And who loses? The Palestinian people themselves. Right. And that's what I meant earlier when I said you're a victim of your leaders. Um, I mean, you know, they're, I, I'm guessing the people that we saw on those on those videotapes who are throwing themselves at the Israeli border, these are people who are desperate for some reason or another, and they're taken advantage of by Hamas, um, which is something Absolutely. we've seen we've seen ten thousand times. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, so for each one of, we're all going to have different perspectives on it. You know, I definitely personally fall into that second camp you were talking about, where I I, I believe in Israel's right to exist. I believe in their right to self-determination, um, especially based on the horror of what they've experienced on Earth. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, But I don't read that in a theological way. I do believe that there's something special in particular about the Jews, but I don't, I don't think that means like a wholesale, you know, um, uh, like approval of everything Israel does. But I do believe just if we're talking, you know, geopolitically or we're just talking about, you know, fairness for for countries uh, determining, you know, their own people and, and how they're going to, you know, go about their business. So that's my own personal view. But at the same time, I need to challenge myself, and that's why I appreciated this article, to think, okay, so I'm pro-Israel in that way, but I also have to be, as a as a believer in Jesus, pro-Palestinian, because these are people who are made in the image of Jesus. So how do we show care for them mm-hmm. as well? So... Really, the and I think your perspective is exactly where many, many Americans are, which is why I wanted to write this article. And really, the first step, okay, I feel, I feel this urge. I need to care about the Palestinians, be you know, sort of pro-Palestinian in some way. Yeah. So how do I do that? The first step, and much of what my article was trying to do, is to discern the good from the bad. So it's true, not all Palestinians are evil, awful, terrible people who want to kill everybody. By the same token, there are some of those, and the job for a Christian, someone who is uh, a believer in in truth, is to figure out, okay, how do we decide the one from the other? Now, the good news is, polls of the Palestinian people, one after the other, consistently show that roughly 25% to one-third of the Palestinian people would basically vote like you or I on any question involving living together Mm -hmm. with the Jews. Yeah. Uh, 25%, 33% are the good guys. And so the task, uh, after you discern what are the markers of good and bad, is to figure out, okay, how do we come alongside the good and empower them, knowing that they're, for 70 years, have been shouted down and intimidated by the other group uh, who are the bad guys. Now, that's the most difficult thing to do, and one of the things that we focus on a lot at the Philos Project is trying to identify and elevate the profile of those Palestinians who are doing the good work, uh, don't have a lot of friends in the West, 
and need to be uh, empowered to really make change within their own society. Robert Nicholson is with us, the founder, executive director of the Philos Project. He wrote a piece in Christianity Today called Beyond the Nakba, Seven Ways Christians Can Affirm a Positive Future for Palestinians. So, Robert, within that, is there a way? Because, you know, look, we're seeing the big picture through U.S. media. You're there, and you see well-meaning people on both sides. Within that subtlety and nuance, how do you and the Philos Project Find your way into a hook that could at least bring people to the table and look each other in the eye and have a conversation. Well, a couple of ways. I mean, the first the first thing that we do at Philos is support the U.S. government in all of its work uh, trying to bring peace between the parties. You know, one misconception is that United States is one sided; that Israel, or United States is only pro Israel, and it's true that the U.S. is the most pro Israel country in the world, sure. but Israel is also the most pro-Palestinian country in the entire world. Arab countries, non-Arab countries, the U.S. is the greatest friend to the Palestinian people. Since 1994, we've given over $5 billion to various Palestinian causes, governmental, non-governmental. Each year we give something like $600 million to these causes, which is far and away the most that any other country in the world gives to the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we encourage the America to keep doing what it's doing and do, to do it in good faith. Um, the, the second thing is more um, is a little more subtle. So one of our jobs at Philos is to, as I said, to find those people within Palestinian society doing good work, uh, and then to bring that person, plug them into the network we've built here in the United States, so that uh, we, in the wealthiest and most powerful country in the world, can support them is they try to do work on the ground. So I'll give you one example. Uh, we have one of our fellows, and fellows are the people who fit this category, yes. is a young man named Khalil, who was born and raised in Gaza, um, chased out of Gaza into the West Bank because of persecution from Hamas. He has an incredible story. Uh, and someone who is now deeply immersed in the West Bank society and trying to help um, his fellow Palestinians, both Christians and Muslims, to see the Jewish uh, person, Jewish society, through different eyes. So mm-hmm. he had his own transformational experience where he hated the Jews. They were the people bombing his city. Yeah. Uh, and because of the love of Christ, changed his perspective completely. He's now leading trips, uh, day trips, of Palestinian youth, wow. college students, some younger, from the West Bank into Israel proper, a place that, by the way, almost none of them, have ever been. They've only heard about it and mythologized it in their mind. He brings them and he takes them to meet Israelis, to meet Jews. He actually takes them to a uh, a restaurant in Haifa where a Palestinian suicide bomber blew themselves up in a crowded restaurant full of Jewish civilians and talks with the students about what that means as a Palestinian. How do we, how do we deal with that? And so this guy and guys like him, and there's a few of them that we support, these are the people that I believe mm-hmm. are the future of the Palestinian mm-hmm. people. Excellent. This guy is alone. He has no support. Our job is to support him and to do whatever we can to get that message out to a big audience. Outstanding. Well, I, I got, I'm blown away by those, these stories. It's fabulous. Yes, I mean, I'd is. love to hear more of them. We'd love to have you on again, Robert. I would love to come on. Absolutely. And yes. check out our website, philosproject.org. And uh, look at some of the stuff that we're doing. I mean, this is, we say, promoting positive Christian engagement in the Middle East. And this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Outstanding. Robert Nicholson, the founder and executive director of the Philos Project. As he said, philosproject.org.
www.ghostofthecoast.org. Yeah, traffic. It is what it is. Installed cars on the Kennedy Expressway. Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners, and cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me. With a financial strategy from Kurt Knodek. There he was on the radio again. Kurt Knodek. Sooner than they planned. Yeah, retire sooner. So I called Kurt. We just talked about life, family. It felt right. Then come to find out, Kurt's personalized retirement planning showed me retirement wasn't as far off as I thought. Now the only thing I'm missing is the traffic. Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group. 412-515-3355. That's 412-515-3355. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC, and Accurate Investment Solutions, Inc. You know how it is. You wake up and you either feel like saying, good morning, Lord, or good Lord, morning. Hey, this is John Hall, and I have to ask, if the second statement is more like you, why on earth haven't you tried my pillow yet? I've been talking to you about it forever. I'm telling you, once you try it, you'll fall in love with it right after you fall asleep on it. And since you're a kind and sharing person, you're going to want to share that gift with someone else, right? Of course you are. Good thing Mike Lindell, creator of MyPillow, is offering his four-pack special for Word FM listeners. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Use the promo code WORD. You'll get two full-size MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows, which are great for travel. Plus, MyPillow is the only pillow that comes backed with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Call 1-800-961-9207. Enter the promo code WORD or visit MyPillow.com and enter the code to get the four-pack special today. That's one 800 961 or enter promo code WORD at MyPillow.com. You run your HVAC unit more than you run your car. But would you go a whole year without servicing your car? Prolong your unit's life and avoid expensive breakdowns with Pellis Heating and Cooling. Pellis will service your system to keep your unit running strong. Of course, if you have an emergency, a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day with after-hour calls returned within 15 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S at PellisHVAC.com. Mothers Against Drunk Driving supports victims of drunk driving, drug driving, and underage drinking at no charge. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. That's M-A-D-D dot O-R-G. A severe thunderstorm watch is in effect until 9 p.m. this evening. Showers and heavy thunderstorms will be in the area through that time. Any storm could bring flash flooding and damaging winds. We'll stay mostly cloudy late tonight with a low of 59. Pleasant tomorrow with partial sunshine, a high of 76. Here to partly cloudy tomorrow night, a low of 53. And sunshine Thursday with a warm afternoon and a high of 83. Mackey Weather Meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. fascinating conversation to consider israel and its place in our in our christian worldview and the palestinians and their place in our christian worldview yes hey our bible league campaign is going on speaking of israel listen uh the bible league has pledged to send as many bibles and bible study into the dark places of the world where shockingly people still don't own their own copy of the bible and of course without that then they'll never know jesus right i mean you became a strong believer in christ because of your bible reading and your work in the pages of the bible 
So if you don't have a Bible, then what do you do? You just kind of, you know, blow like the wind willy-nilly to some sort of odd teaching or weird superstitions. The Bible League in Africa right now, how about this? Won't you be a Bible sender? One Bible is just $5, just $5 to send a Bible into Africa along with Bible Study Project Philip. Seven Bibles is only $35. Now, look, if 20 of you right now, I'm sorry, if 100 of you right now would send 20 Bibles, that's $100, then we would make that goal and cover all the different villages we've talked to you about this over this life of this campaign. So 100 people right now sending 20 Bibles out, we would make our goal. The number to call, 800 670 9110. That's 1-800-670-9110. Please join us now, or if you want to see more, wordfm.com. From the sublime to the ridiculous. Yes. NBC reports this from Albany, New York. A couple in Camillus, which is apparently a suburb, is asking for a court's help to get their 30-year-old son out of their house. Mm. Really? Okay, that's when you know that family relations have broken down. You're suing your mm-hmm. progeny. Right. Mm-hmm. In filings to the Supreme Court of New York State, Christina... The Supreme Court? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're taking it to the top. Holy heck. <laughs> now, that's an option to child. I mean, you know, maybe it was too many TV dinners. We were mm-hmm. talking about those yesterday. Do you think option. after a while you just get spoiled? Yeah. You think, oh, my parents are always going to buy these for me, and then 30 years later, you're before the Supreme Court? What's the Will Ferrell movie, Brothers? Is it... Step Brothers. Step Brothers. Never with, saw it. With Ry- what's his name? John Riley. And Will Ferrell. Oh, my gosh. John C. Riley. That is Will a Ferrell. funny movie. I mean, it's all, all willful. It has it's wrong darkness. in every way, right? It is. But that's a very, very funny. I mean, these are adult men who are living, you know, the, uh, both their parents come to them as a second marriage, and they're both these misfit bro- boys. And and their parents get married. Uh, yeah. It's horrible. It is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I Okay, well, I don't know that, that the Michael Rotondo is in that place, but his parents, Christina and Mark, have been, they say they've been trying to get rid of him. And I don't mean like forever, really? like ultimately, but I'm just saying they they wanted to get him to leave their home please, please. for several months. Now, this filing includes, this is what I mean by communication breakdown, five written notices that the couple says it has left for Michael. <laughs> left. <laughs> Starting with a note on February 2nd that told him he had 14 days to get out. <laughs> In a response filed to the court on Wednesday, last Wednesday, Michael Rotondo contends that the five written notices did not provide a reasonable amount of time for him to leave, citing Koga v. Leg as precedent. What's, okay, what is this guy like ta- taking law school classes in the basement? Uh, quote, that there is, quote, a common law requirement of six months notice to quit before six a tenant months. may be removed through an ejectment action. An ejectment action. That's what it says. Um, his response asserts that none of the notes amount to six months notice. Mm. My dad, he would have none of that. He would have just picked my butt up and <laughs> thrown me out the door. You did not trifle with Don Hall. This this kid who's hanging out, does he have no fear of his mother and father? Well, apparently, I mean, so you don't think that you and Don Hall would have met at the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania? <laughs> we, we would have met at the front door where I'd have gone flying over the porch railing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, so whatever your situation with your children, let's hope it doesn't, like, reach this point. Yes, keep the Supreme Court out of your... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's, our, what's your goal for your family? I'd like to keep the Supreme Court out of it. Yes. Hey, stick around, won't you please? Uh, The legacy of scripture in the Latino Protestant church. That's next on The Ride Home. 
101.5 Word FM. Next time on Orchard Hill Today. We don't have to conform. We don't have to settle for complacency. And we don't have to stay in a cycle of uncertainty about where we stand with God. This week, NASCAR chaplain Kenny Crosswhite concludes the series Final Destination as he presents the message, How Can I Be Certain? Be sure to join us weekday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Orchard Hill Today on 101.5 Word FM. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone. But call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588. For your free consultation and to see if you qualify, that's 800-500-5588. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you need to make your retreat a success. With 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org. Over two-thirds of Christian young people will step away from their faith while attending a non-Christian college or university. But Word FM and Salem Media Pittsburgh have a solution. Salem Media Pittsburgh has partnered with Judson University, a private Christian college, in offering a limited number of special grants designed to decrease the cost of tuition by over half. These tuition grants are available now. Call our tuition solution specialist at 412-503-4769 to reserve yours. Dentistry isn't what it used to be. It's really come a long way. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. The pain management techniques, the comfort that we can offer now really make it a much more pleasant experience. We have a great team. They really help to put a patient at ease. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. You know, in a broad generalization, when you think of Latino Christians, you generally think, well, 
the majority, the large majority, have to be Catholics, right? It's sort of, they seem to sort of just go hand in hand. Well, our next guest is with us, Eric Rivera. He's the lead pastor of a diverse church in Chicago called The Brook. He wrote a piece in CT, Christianity Today, called The Legacy of Scripture in the Latino Protestant Church in America. And it's very interesting. Uh, happy to have you along. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. My pleasure to be with you guys. Thank yeah, you. Happy to have you, Eric. So I guess the best way to begin is for you to tell us the story. Tell us about the beginnings of the Latino Church in America. Yeah, so uh, the, the story that I came, to, came across came out of uh, being offered to teach a, a substitute course at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School uh, taught by a friend of mine. And while preparing for that, that guest lecture, um, I came to see the, the beautiful, rich history of the Latino Protestant Church in America from the southwest of the United States and, and how different Methodist and Presbyterian missionaries reached out to um, Mexican men and women, sharing with them the good news of Jesus and, and seeing God transform their lives through um, through the Bible. And so what I what I was able to uncover in my, my brief studies was, was just different ways that God grabs people's lives through the power of the Bible itself um, and saw how the gospel spread because of that. Hmm. So go back then, because you tell the story. Uh, in 1853, a Mexican man, Ambrosio Gonzalez, tell us the story. Yeah, so this was pretty exciting. From what we got uh, on record, he seems to be the first recorded person uh, to convert to the Protestant faith from Catholicism in the United States. Uh, that was done in 1853, um, and and he was a, a man who was given a Bible by a mis- uh, from a missionary by the name of Enoch Nicholson in 1852, a year before. And, uh, and Gonzalez attributes his coming to faith to having received that Bible, and uh, having read the Bible, uh, was converted to, to put his faith in Jesus and believing in death and resurrection on his behalf, and uh, began to tell others about Jesus. And Ambrosio starts preaching, uh, teaching people in Albuquerque there, and for about 15 years he did so when uh, another missionary named Thomas Harwood um, found him there teaching and continued to train and equip him. Uh, but to, to his surprise, he found this man, Ambrosio Gonzalez, just passionate about his faith and uh, teaching others in Albuquerque about this good news of Jesus. That's pretty amazing because you think about, you know, of course, you know, um, we all talk about how many Bibles we have. Mm-hmm. Bibles are right. just you know, as common as water this, today right. if, you, if you live in America. Here, right. But 1853, it had to be a rare and wonderful thing to have your very own copy of the Bible. And, of course, if someone gave that to you, you would think it would be a miracle that fell into your life. And so, of course, you'd be so inclined to read that and then fall in love with Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, the Bibles were not nearly as as a, a prominent as they are in our day, where they're on every bookshelf and our card and dashboard. Uh, in, in the mid-1800s, they were, they were a valued commodity. And, and, uh, and what we see is, is these missionaries courageously going out and, and, and distributing Bibles because of their belief that God changes lives through His Word. And Ambrosio was, uh, was one who resulted from that, uh, as others were afterward, after him. Hmm. You know, it's a, that moment of of receiving your own Bible in your own language and having ju- – that's just transformational. I guess we can't really – those of us who are in America who have such easy access, we just can't quite imagine how magical that is. No doubt about that. We're just we're just like what? We're just dulled to it. Right. So then move forward and talk to us about um, uh, the Juan Gomez Bible because, again, yeah. that's paid at a big price, but it changed lives forever. Yeah, this was really fun to, to read about as I was doing my research. 
um, a, a historian named Juan Martinez uh, has uncovered just some really remarkable stories. Uh, and what it, what it is is we, we find in the in the mid 1800s, um, different families in in the southwestern United States uh, were would come across Bibles in different ways. And, and they would be so treasured that they would hold on to these Bibles as the heirlooms. Hmm. Uh, one such Bible, as you mentioned, is the Juan Gomez Bible. He uh, he purchased the Bible in 1868 for what's the equivalent of sixty dollars to us to us today. But he did so in cash, animals, and in uh, the, uh, allowing someone to use his oxen. This was huh. this is how he was able to purchase his wow, Bible. Wow, that's cool. And uh, and what's so remarkable is he starts having a Bible study in his home, and the church stems from this Bible study, and in fact, other churches were ended up being planted in the region through through Juan Gomez uh, buying his Bible and teaching others. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful story of, of a man who just saw the value of, of scriptures, and again, seeing what God can do to not just transform an individual life, but truthfully an entire community and start churches through the power of his word. We're talking to Eric Rivera, lead pastor at The Brook. The information about Eric, you can find us right now on our website, johnandkathyshow.com. Eric, uh, talk about the representation of Latinos and Latinas in um, theological studies. Talk about where that is versus other um, people groups in America. Yeah, so what we've seen in research that has been done over the last uh, several decades is there there is a disparity between the amount of, of Latinos and Latinas in uh, theological education versus uh, the percentage of Latinos and Latinas in the United States. Hmm. Um, based on, in, in the year 2010, according to the Association of Theological Schools, which is a, a leading uh, accreditation um, organization for, for uh, graduate school studies in, in the theological area, um, they, they, in their studies, um, it shows that about 5.7% uh, of their theological students were Latino, but at the time, in 2010, about 16% of the U.S. population was Latino. And so, and so what we're seeing here uh, is, is, a, is a tremendous disparity between um, Latinos in school, in a, in a theological education, I should say, uh, as opposed to those in our, in our, um, in our society. And, so, yes. uh, and that, that's a tremendous disparity. Mm-hmm. We, we don't see that kind of distance even in, uh, in other communities, uh, other, other ethnic Backgrounds, whether it be the Asian or Black population or the white population. So then, what do you, what do you attribute that really to, Eric? So wh- why do you think that is? Is it because yeah. there are you know a majority of Latinos are, would call themselves Catholics and not Protestants? Well, uh, it may, it may be attributed to that, but I think largely there are a variety of other um, other things that that, that uh, I guess lead to this. I mean, among them is uh, sometimes there's limited opportunity. Um, the, the, the family structure, the need for, for, for men and women to remain in their, their family household or context, whether it be from, from working or for just the family structure. Sometimes it's linguistic. Um, if our education is, is in English and strictly English, if you're a Spanish speaker it, or primarily Spanish speaker, it's going to make it difficult to be mm-hmm. in a graduate school program, uh, let alone a theological graduate school program. And then uh, sometimes it's contextualization of the programs. They don't really... Some of them don't speak to the needs of the Latino community, and so uh, for for someone who is Hispanic to invest so much time and money into a program that um, isn't really tailor made or doesn't really reflect some of their own context, it's a it's a difficult thing. It's a great sacrifice. Yes. Uh, so there there are a, a variety of potential roadblocks, um, but but we are grateful to see these trends changing. We're just 
thrilled to see many, many women uh, who are Hispanics uh, uh, beginning to step forward into theological education in the graduate school and beyond level. It's, it's an encouraging thing that's happening, but but more needs to be done nonetheless. Eric Rivera is with us. He's the lead pastor at The Brook, a diverse church in Chicago. So, Eric, what about you personally? Your own story about how you came to faith, a Bible believer, and then later on a pastor. Uh, I'm sure you've shared that story with other faith leaders in the Latino community as well. Is it a similar story, or is there some you know, some thread that's not uh, uh, the same across the board? T- talk to us about that. Yeah, well, well, my journey uh, is one where I'm Puerto Rican. I was raised in a, in a Puerto Rican household culturally, uh, food, music, so across the board. Um, and in my family, though, uh, there weren't many who, who went on to pursue uh, uh, undergraduate studies, let alone graduate studies. Mm. Um, but I've had a great family background, a great community around me, not just in my immediate household, but in people in my life who have uh, encouraged and inspired me along Excellent. the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what's what's something that's been really uh, heavy on my heart is that as I've gone through Bible school and seminary, um, seeing the underrepresentation of Latinos in, in the context I've been in, ha- finally came to a point where in my graduate school time, uh, it, it began to really bother me and <laughs> deep within realizing, okay, something here is not adding up, and um, and I've had some great mentors along the way just keep pushing me to 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 continue to research, to study, and to strive for. Um, different academic excellence and, 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 and degrees in order to be a voice to encourage other Latinos to, to press on academically. We, we know school is not everything, but, but, but surely it, it, it's, a, it's a tremendous help as we're serving our communities, uh, especially in the urban context as well. Mm-hmm. Well, fa- I'm so glad you were able to join us today to talk about this. One last thing I want to ask you. I mean, how is it that, you know, neither John nor I are of Hispanic or origin? So how how is it that people who are of non-Hispanic origin can support the church? Okay, I'm sorry, what last thing? Yeah, do- go ahead. Uh, are you saying they can encourage the church? Yeah, oh, how, can, how can we encourage the church is the question. Yeah, so I think one thing is, one of the reasons I wrote the article is to put stories of, of Latinos and Latinas from the past in front of our eyes and realize there's a rich legacy there of, of men and women who've loved and treasured the scriptures. And I think it's, a, it's important for, for others to encourage Latinos similarly, saying, hey, we, we do have a rich history that needs to be uncovered and, and to continue to, to push other young men and women and, and Hispanics to, to, to continue to read the scriptures, to study the word, to tell our stories, to teach our legacy. So I think just even that encouragement uh, of saying, hey, we, we've got a voice, our, our voice is important, our story is essential, and it just needs to be told. And I think encouraging nice. Latinos to do that is of great value. That's great. Yeah. Eric, thanks an Thank awful you. lot. We really appreciate it. Christianity Today, if we don't tell our stories, then who will? Eric Rivera has been with us. He's the uh, lead pastor at The Brook. It's a diverse church in the Chicago area. Hey, stick around. we got lots more ahead during our 5 o'clock hour. little summer reading. Individual results may vary. He wasn't developing relationships with other children. He's mainly played by himself. I couldn't find anybody to help me. We did the psychiatrist and the psychologist and the neurologist and all the different ologists trying to find something that worked for him. School really wanted him medicated. I knew that Brooke could connect the dots, so to speak, because it just, there was something just disconnected for her. Something Brain Balance did for me was help me understand why Louie was the way he was. What Brain Balance did was give us a very distinct game plan. 
We're going to get from point A to point B, and this is how we're going to do it. At school, the teachers can't believe the change that has come about. Now he has a voice, whereas before he didn't have one. So for that, we're so grateful to Brain Balance. It's just been amazing what Brain Balance has done for her. It's a totally different life. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. Ah. <sighs> That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. mentioned earlier that i was cleaning uh my house yeah. out and i don't mean cleaning my house like you know cleaning this kitchen sink spring i mean cleaning. like go no this is way beyond spring cleaning this is my mission is by the end of may i want to have gone through every single closet and every single drawer in my entire house mm, okay and we're just ditching we're just getting rid of stuff all uh, this is this is how it is yeah this is how it is i saw your car last night <laughs> Yeah, it was loaded to the gills, and as a matter of fact, I jumped on board. Yeah, this is this is a, an odd. I don't think we've ever experienced that moment together in friendship. <laughs> no. I opened up the back of my car because I'm so used to doing it when John and I walk out, and because I, I put my uh, my computer in the back, mm-hmm. but then it was totally filled with all sorts of stuff. I was not taking. totally. Well, that's right because John said, "I said, oh, I forgot I was going to Goodwill," and John said, "You're going to Goodwill," and I said, "Yeah," and he said. Oh, I got a couple things in my car. <laughs> so I said, I'll pull around. So next thing I pull around, he's bringing out bags oh, and boxes, so shoving them in the back of my car. I had a gigantic plastic bag of clothes, and I had a box of tennis shoes. Isn't it good? Didn't, didn't you feel good when I drove away? Oh, I you sure thought, did. oh, she's got all that. I don't need it anymore. I felt so good. And when I pulled up in front of Goodwill, it was, it was truly packed. You didn't even see I had two vacuums in there. I mean, I had... St- <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. These are the broken vacuums? 
Well, one back vacuum only needs a new belt. Okay. And so I put on there needs new belt. Needs new belt. Yeah. Right. So they know. But I gave um I gave my vacuum bags with it. Okay, fine. So I thought that was a it's good a deal, trade-off. right? Sure, I mean, sure. if you're if you're someone who's handy in that way, you're getting yeah. a good vacuum and you're getting some bags. <laughs> Don't look down We're on it. No, I'm fine by that. The broken one I threw away. Okay, good. The broken one I threw away. But anyway, I pulled up in front of Goodwill, and when the nice gentleman came out to help me unload, he opened up the back hatch, and then he said, "Whoa." Nice. Whoa. You got a whoa. Yes, indeed. I'm here. I am here, sir. (laughs) And thank you for your kindness. Step aside and may I have a tax receipt. Yes. Well, thank goodness. I mean, that hopefully down the line that helps somebody. I, you know, I was thinking as I was driving, there was one piece of furniture I was sad to part with. Oh, I was. That little dresser. No. Yeah. No, it's a a table. Yeah. Yeah. I was sad to part with it because I remember buying it before we had kids and, you know, but I look back and I thought, you know what? Mm. That's good. I hope someone is able to take that and refinish it and really enjoy it. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Secondhand Rose, Kathy Evans. It's right home with John and Kathy. Hey, five o'clock hour, summer reading lists. You know you need one. Please. We all do. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump says the June 12th summit with North Korea could be delayed. Just three weeks before his scheduled summit in Singapore with Kim Jong-un, the president is suggesting a possible delay. There's a chance, there's a very substantial chance that it won't work out. He says the U.S. and North Korea continue to discuss arrangements. There are certain conditions that we want, and I think we'll get those conditions. And if we don't, we don't have the meeting. The president hosted South Korea's leader here at the White House, and both leaders said it's important for North Korea to dismantle its nuclear program. Greg Clugston, the White House. After the president spoke, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the U.S. is still working toward holding that historic summit with North Korea on June 12th. A down day on Wall Street as the Dow dropped 179 points to 24,834. The Nasdaq lower by 16. The S&P declined 9. This is SRNU. A moo moo here and a moo moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo moo. Hi there, it's me, Marsha from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84 PA on the Saturday before Memorial Day for our annual Farm Heritage Day. During this annual event, two giant tents will hold 20 plus old time crafters sharing their wares with you like sheep shearing, wool spinning, quilting, and leather punching. Our old fashioned chore girls will be churning butter, kneading bread dough, and rolling pie dough, and they'll need lots of helpers, too. Take the tour of our modern milking facility, where you get to try your hand at milking Sally the Tour Cow. The Springhouse Cooks will feature all kinds of fabulous eats inside, too. So come hungry for hot roast beef and gravy, real mashed potatoes, and so much more. Farm Heritage Day at the Springhouse on Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, 11 to 4. Let us share a little of our farm with you. Springhousemarket.com or give us a call at 724-228-3339. Following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. 
I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800-671-7070. That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. Hi, this is Tun Shokin. Kick off your Memorial Day weekend with me and my good buddy Craig Wolfley on Saturday, May 26th at the Great Lawn across from Heinz Field for our 16th annual Walk for the Homeless. The fun begins at 8 a.m. and ends with lunch and festivities. Money raised that day will benefit Light of Life Rescue Mission, an organization that provides food, shelter, and hope for Pittsburgh's homeless and hurting. There are many ways to get involved. Form a team to walk, become a business sponsor, or volunteer. For more information, visit lightoflife.org or call 412-258-6128. Dad, what are you doing? Cramming for college. I'm the one going to college. Yeah, but we need to figure out how we're going to pay for it all. Discover Student Loans. Discover does student loans? Yeah, they're one of the top student loan lenders in the country. It takes 15 minutes or less to apply, and there are no fees for the life of the loan. Best of all, I can earn cash rewards if I get good grades. Really? Yeah. We still have time to apply and get a great rate. So I can just chill. College kids still say that, right? No one says that, Dad. Really? Yeah. Visit discoverstudentloans.com to apply today. Limitations apply. A severe thunderstorm watch is in effect until 9 p.m. this evening. Showers and heavy thunderstorms will be in the area through that time, and any storm could bring flash flooding and damaging winds. We'll stay mostly cloudy late tonight with a low of 59. Pleasant tomorrow with partial sunshine, a high of 76. Here to partly cloudy tomorrow night, a low of 53. And sunshine Thursday with a warm afternoon and a high of 83. Mackey Weather Meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John Academy for Tuesday, May 22nd. Coming up this hour... John and Kathy give you seven apocalypse movies to help you celebrate National Rapture Party Day. And also this hour, setting up your summer reading list, plus maybe a poem or two from Kathy. Our guest is Dr. H. Colin Messer, Chair and Professor of English at Grove City College. Thanks for joining us. Here now are John Hall and Kathy Evans. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Happy that you're with us here today. So it's a lovely day out there, isn't it? It's, it's much nicer now than it was early this morning when it was kind of cold and wet. I like it. So I like it. I can't wait to go outside. Green and verdant. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to go Same to a thing. baseball game tonight? I mean, they're in Cincinnati, but it'd be nice to go to a game. Not really. I, I'm going to wait until it's like 85. Wow. You're so picky. Well, you know, I, I do not like to go to a game and sit and be uncomfortable. Do you? Okay. Uh, no, of course I don't okay. because I'm totally lame. And as soon as I get like uncomfortable, I'm like, oh, I, I need mean, to move. Okay. Have you been disturbed by the um, numbers of empty seats at PNC Park? Nope. I expected it, didn't you? Um, I did, but I felt as if once we saw how how the team no, was, no, 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 no. how much the team was succeeding, you know. that that would okay. But this is what I saw. I just saw some stats last night. Yeah, that the um, that first of all, that is an across the board phenomenon in, in MLB. MLB, which really? I, was the first thing I thought was interesting. The second thing is that the attendance versus last year is only down eight thousand per game. Well, that's a lot. It is a lot, but I thought it was I thought it was more than that. 
I thought it would have been at least 10. Well, you know, the weather's been really horrible. It's been horrible. So even if you were wanted to support the team, you don't want to go sit in No, especially think April. about the first month of horrible. the season. It was snowy atrocious. and cold. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I was at opening day. So to me, that's kind of like I left my marker at opening day. Right. I'll come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a fan. Right. Have you, you haven't been back since? I've not. No. Oh. You've been to one game. Mike's been to one game. Yeah. And yeah. it was awesome, wasn't it, Mike? It was a breathtaking. Exactly. Breath- it took you a minute. Really? I, I was like, wow, apparently it wasn't. I had to turn my mic on. Really yeah. is enjoyable for Mike. Some of right. scrambling. I was listening to Elvis Costello. Thank you. <laughs> Seven nothing was the game the guys went to. Yes, right? it was. Yeah, yeah I, I believe that was because of our right. input and encouragement to the I'm team. I'm sure it was, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, remember Harold Camping? Oh, he was the guy that said that the world's going to end on a particular day, but that right. it was wrong, and he said his math was bad. Exactly. The day that he chose was May 21st, May 21st, 2011. 2011? Yeah, of course, that, that did didn't not happen. Pan out. No, no. But since that time, and we missed it, somehow this kind of went by me, that uh, yesterday is known as uh, the end of the world day. Mm. And do you know that there are some, I, I guess, hipster Christians, mm-hmm. those young hipsters, they do a rapture party day. National Which, Rapture Party Day. Yeah. Do you know anybody who did Rapture Party Day? No, but I'm, I think I'm sorry we missed it. Well, I think it's really just an excuse to sit around and stream movies all day. Well, then I am sorry we missed mm-hmm. it. I think I'll just say it again. Yeah. So... End of the world movies, which I'm oh, a fan so that's of. what you do on National Rapture Party Day. You yes. just watch apocalyptic movies. Exactly. Oh, just kind of hang out. And... I like apocalyptic movies. I do too. Yeah. I was watching or thinking about that Will Smith movie. It's one of my favorite films for some weird reason. I am Legend. Yes. Oh, I never saw that. Was that's that good? good? Yes. That to me is like desolate and inventive at the same time. <laughs> Two adjectives I used to describe John Hall himself. Uh, desolate and inventive. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Mike, yeah. do, you like, do you know the film, I Am Legend? Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. Oh, I love that film. It's really weird. He's alone like in New York City, him and his dog. He's out driving around, and there are like, these zombies that come out as darkness falls. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Dog turns into a zombie. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's an, anyway, so, so Relevant Magazine put together these seven apocalypse movies to help you celebrate Rapture Party Day. Okay. And, and at the end, can we add our own if they're not mentioned? Yeah, which I just did. I okay. am a legend. Oh, great. Okay, okay. great. So um, I, I used to be a fan of the early Mad Max films. Mad oh, Max. that is way too much like input in my Mad Max? Visual and audio cortex. How about the first Mad Max film? Do you, do you ever see it? No, I never did. Mel Gibson? It just always seemed like it was oh, too much. No, it's a good film. It's the, there's a sequel, of course, a series of films. But the latest Mad Max, Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. I missed it. Mike, did you see it? No. No. no, no Doesn't no. that seem like a lot? No. It okay. does. I mean, it's, I watch a preview and I have a headache. It's supposed to be, <laughs> it's supposed to be a good film. Uh, how about, i never heard of this, A Thief in the Night. Do you know this film? Oh, that's of course I know it. 1972. I wa- believe me. I was force-fed that film about really? 10 different times growing up in the evangelical church. It's it's estimated 300 million people yeah. have watched this and, movie. And about 150 million are in therapy because of it. <laughs> really? I missed this whole thing. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. A thief in the night. Uh T2 Judgment Day. Oh. Heck yeah, oh, that yeah. was on my list. That was okay. right in front of me. That right. was, uh, you know, that was the first date movie for me and my husband. Oh, nothing says true love like T two. We went with another guy, by the way. There were three of us on the date, <laughs> and they're both named Eric. Long story. It's very complex. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that behind. Yeah. Uh, how about speaking of leaving behind, the film Left Behind? You ever seen it? 
No. No. That's okay. No. The original one? I know, not bad. I mean, not. I mean, look, you take it for what it's worth. You're an actor. No, no. You did take, you see it? I did. You did see it? I did. You take it for what it's worth of the genre that it represents. Like, look. Like, what uh, genre is it representing? <laughs> end of the world, poor acting, bad movies. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Like right. uh, someone was talking about uh, George Romero films. Now, those are not great movies for, by any stretch of the imagination. But of the genre, they're watchable. Okay, but Left Behind, that's its only genre. Well, it's the only films in no, the genre. No, it's the apocalyptic movie Left Behind film. Okay. okay. Uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Do you know this movie? Never heard of that. I don't know. No, no. Okay, how about Night of the Comet? I know this movie, 1980s. Okay, don't Very, know it. That's an end of the world movie and the film Armageddon. Ben Affleck. Oh my gosh, that's a great. Horrible. That's a horrible. <laughs> I loved it. Horrible. <laughs> loved it. The absolute worst. Loved it. I mean, it's useless, but well, it's still entertaining. Seriously, what's the deal with Ben Affleck? He's he's a terrible actor. He is. He's a Am, great oh, actor. No, he is not. A great ben actor. Is, he is, is, is not. A great he's a no. Good are you actor. kidding me? He's Remember? making more than we are. He well, for sure. I'm not saying he's making less than we are. I'm I, just saying. I don't think he's a good given actor. Given my choice to draw, you know, go see a Ben Affleck film. I'd rather go see a Ben Stiller film. Oh, so would I. Low praise. Yep. Oh, that's high praise for me because I love Night at the Museum. All three. I love them all. Ben Affleck. um, However, you know, Goodwill Hunting, to me, that's his high watermark. Well, yeah. Him and Matt Damon. But I also heard the film he did, uh, it was nominated for Academy. He directed it, he didn't star in it. He directed it maybe three years ago, nominated for an Academy Award. So what do I know? It was about, you saw it. I'm pretty sure you (laughs) saw it. What do I know? (laughs) Can you look this up for me, Mike? He, He, um, it was about, I believe it was about Iran. Yeah, Mike, just Google I think it was that. like an espionage film, <laughs> an intelligence film or something. Really? Yeah, and I've heard... Oh, oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, it was about... Um, uh, Iraq? No, I think it was about Israel. Okay. I'm sorry, I don't know. Just Google Yeah, it. but you saw it. Argo? I did, and I loved Argo. Argo. It was a fabulous film. Okay, see, but yeah, he didn't he did act fine. in that, no, did he? No, he didn't, no. Okay. It's a very fine film. All right. Anyway. Okay, now that we've taken raked him across the coals, we can give him no, something no, 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 positive. No. But you know what I mean? You know how you like you lean towards certain actors and you go, well, if he's in that, I'd go see it. Right. And right? Then, like the Florida Project. Um, I, I went and saw that because of um, Willem Dafoe. Mm. Oh, because he's so interesting. I love him. I'd see him just about he's do anything. He's so interesting. I agree with that. Right. I agree. Um, is that the end of your list? It is. It's seven. Okay. Just seven apocalypse All right. I have, a, I have a couple that I think we have to add. Okay. I, don't, I think you have to say Blade Runner. Oh, of course you do. Don't you? How about the new Blade Runner? Which remake? I never saw because it was oh, pan. Oh, that's a shame. I don't know why it was. It was fabulous. And I'm sorry that I didn't uh, see it twice in the theater. Okay, but did you, before you saw the new one, have to go back and watch the first one? I did. Okay. So Which you, I'm a big fan of the yeah, first one anyway. I haven't seen that in a long that's time, a though. Movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so I would say Blade Runner. Um, I'd also say I would put Alien and Aliens in okay, that, yeah, sure, in sure. that yeah, genre. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I really love both of those films. Yeah. For different reasons, but I really love that's them a, both. Fabulous movie. Yeah, yeah. I What's think her so name? Too. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Wasn't she great? She sure was. And you was. know who I loved, really loved in Alien was Paul Reiser. Yeah. Oh, as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Okay. New Mike, do you have anything to add to apocalyptic movies? Yes. What okay. do you got? What do you got? Tom Cruise, War of the Worlds, 2005. Really? What? Huh? Yeah. War of the Worlds, like the radio drama from yes. uh, really the 1930s. Orson Welles, they made that into a movie. Brian Haskins was the director. Hmm. I don't know that film. I don't either, no. Generally, uh, I don't like stuff like that because it's like a blow me up, kill me, blow me up, kill me again and you, again and you again. You said Mad Max. 
What, that you like? I it. said generally, I don't like that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, but you, but Mad Max is your only yeah, like, I, exception. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, because it was so out of the box when it first came out. Okay, what about the road? The film oh, version oh, of the Cormac McCarthy. I, saw that. I mean, that was lovely. I mean, right? and and physically painful. Despair. Yes. Desolation. Right. But very right, very oh, inventive. Was, yeah, gorgeous. I mean, not as be- the book is like uh, staggeringly beautiful. Right. But the film, I thought, was very well done. I agree. I, I really loved that. If that was like on television and I was like flipping through, I'd stop so and watch I. that. So would I. I really loved that. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm sad we missed National Rapture Party Day yesterday, yeah, but we, we could we can celebrate. For, it's kind of like if you get sick on your birthday, you say, no, 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 we can celebrate later. It's the yeah, same kind of thing. Kind of. Because, you know, the end of the world, who knows? Could be now. Just don't watch that thing, that movie, That what? Thief in the Night. Oh, don't you just I'm sorry that don't I missed that. Watch that. I bet it's on YouTube, right? What about the Lake Great Planet Earth? That's another one. Hal Lindsay. Mm-hmm. 101.5 WORD. Jay Sekulow is glad we backed out of the Iran deal. President Obama not too happy about it. Uh, he said this was a disastrous. It was working well. It wasn't working at all, by the way. Merkel. And Macron also acknowledged problems, although they were, you know, not happy that the United States pulled out. I am happy that the United States pulled out. I think we sent the right signal that uh, we're not leading from behind on this, especially in the geopolitical situation that could be existing here. Jay Sekulow Live, weekdays at 1 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Many of you know or have worked with my friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial, and so you know that they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance, providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But did you know that now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation, typical savings of up to 40%. If you've got a small group, a medium group, even a large group, Marley has got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital you want. Hi, Mark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, because Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and what's best for your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors without the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions. So call Marley Financial now. Ask your questions and get the answers. 724-884-1496. Find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 or online at MarleyFG.com. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Since 1976, over 250,000 inmates have attended a Kairos prison ministry three and a half day retreat behind prison walls, only to come face to face with Jesus through the love of a Kairos volunteer. Kairos is an interdenominational ministry that trains ordinary Christians, men and women like you and me, to share the heart of the gospel with inmates on the inside and their families on the outside. All of us were prisoners to sin until our Savior set us free. Your time as a Kairos volunteer not only changes the lives of inmates, it changes you, inside and out. New 25-member teams are forming now. Call 412-368-6691 to begin training today. Kairos Prison Ministries, 412-368-6691. Hi, this is Clint Hurdle, manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I want to invite you to the ballpark on Friday, July 27th for our annual Faith Night at PNC Park. After we host the Mets, some of our players and I will be discussing what an important role that faith has played in our lives, both on and off the field. Join us and visit pirates.com slash faith night to reserve your seats. 
We're looking forward to seeing you at the ballpark. More details at wordfm.com slash pirates. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. If you want to buy a home, we could help you get a great mortgage that may require as little as 3% down. And we also invented Rocket Mortgage. It gives you a solid approval in as few as eight minutes. And for eight years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call America's largest mortgage lender at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Based on Rocket Mortgage data in comparison to public data records, call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Results may vary. Steve, been getting into a little light reading. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. Wonderful book you have there. Have you read it? Uh, well, not that one, but, you know, books. <laughs> I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Hey, welcome back. Happy that you're with us here today. Oh, summer reading music. Yes, it was. I like that. Hey, um, you have a summer reading list? Um, I can't believe you asked that. I'm, <laughs> it's just ironic because it's in development. Okay. Think something you're working on. I feel on. like I have to have it done by Memorial Day. Yeah, I'd say pretty much so. That's good. So I feel like this week I need to like buckle down. Firm things up. Yeah. Do you have one? I do. It's li- It's it's um small but solid. I'll say that. How small? Like four books. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I don't want to get like ambitious, like you know, sixteen books. Right? Because we're we get, kidding. Get all anxious and then you know read nothing and then feel horrible by August fifteenth. Exactly. And have to cram. <laughs> that's right. Hey, Dr. Colin Messer is with us again. Uh, Dr. Messer is the chair and professor of English at Grove City College, which we love. Here to talk to us about summer reading list and perhaps. A poem or two for Kath. Mm. Colin, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me back on. Okay, Colin. So you are the chair and the professor of the English department. So mm. my question for you is, do you have a summer reading list? I am working on a few books. And, and some of my, of course, there's a couple of new books and then some that I love to reread. So I'm rereading a, uh, a an academic comedy, if you will. Uh, it's, it's sort of a therapy uh, okay. book. It's called Straight Man by Richard Russo. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and he's great. And then, uh, and actually, I've got uh, Jamie Smith's new book, Awaiting mm-hmm. the King, on right. my on my bookshelf, which right. I have not gotten to yet. Right. So, uh, okay. so, yeah, my thing is I end up rereading a bunch of books, you know, every year, and uh, and then I got to start to add to my to my list, you know. Okay, so is it true, first of all, do I have to have my summer reading list in effect, written down, recorded by Memorial Day weekend? <laughs> Those, these, these rules I don't think are very official, mm, you know, okay. so I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be too too worried about that. And okay. I think you've got to keep that list sort of informal, and you might run across a great book in the middle of, of summer, or, uh, or you might have to revise your list this afternoon after we talk. So. Great. All right. Well, I'm ready to update it. Okay. So tell. So, what do you think should be on our summer reading list? Give us some suggestions. All right. Well, I'm going to draw on just feedback from generations of students for a couple of books that are among the books that I've taught that that they continue to tell me how much they loved reading. Right. And, that's uh, good. And and uh, unlike our last list, uh, our, our conversation about sort of displacement and alienation and all these things. These are these are a couple of books that are really. Uh, suitable for summer and and, uh, and and just really satisfying to read. And, right. I and, call the I call those and, books you can read read. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Come back. So uh, so I've got a memoir and a novel to suggest to you. Okay, and uh, depending on the time, we'll go from there. So 
the memoir is a great uh, story of a family from Western Kentucky. Uh, it's called Clear Springs, a family story. And it's by a writer named Bobby Ann Mason. And she was born in 1940, way out in Western Kentucky. She grew up on a dairy farm there. And it's really a story about her and her, her great, it's more of a story about her mother and her mother's life. And uh, the book begins with her in 1994, visiting her mother, who's now in her, her late 70s. And, and they're, they're fishing and kind of talking about the family stories. And uh, it, it's a wonderful uh, kind of honorary in some ways on the part of, of this daughter mm. looking back at her mother. Uh, Bobby Ann Mason, like a lot of Southern writers, uh, I taught this course in a, and I taught this book in a course that dealt with a, a lot of memoirs by Southern writers. She's a published novelist and, and really did well, but, but this was a book that really reflected on her leaving home and kind of going up to New York and becoming a, a New Yorker short story writer and, and teaching English at a school in Pennsylvania and all these things, but, but kind of always feeling the tug of home. So I mm. thought, I thought just to hook you guys, I'll read you just a quick. Oh, please. Okay, please. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. So, uh, so yeah, this is this is sort of. I love this passage because it reminds us of, in, in a lot of ways of her mother, her great love for her mother, and, and appreciation for her father as well. So this is when she's a girl during the summertime, and then the blackberries were ripe. We spent every July and August in the berry patch. The tame berries had spread along the fence rows and creek banks. When they ripened, Mama would exclaim in wonder. There are worlds of berries down there. She always engaged the berries to customers. By June, she would say, I've already got 40 gallons of berries engaged. <laughs> we strode out at dawn in the dew and picked until the mid-morning sun bore down on our heads. To protect her hands from the briars, Mama made gloves from old blue jeans. Following the berries down the creek bank, we perched on ledges and tiptoed on unsure footing through thickets. We tunneled. When Mama saw an especially large berry just out of reach, she would manage to get it somehow, even if she had to lean her body against the bush and let it support her while she plucked the prize. We picked in quart baskets and then poured the berries into red and white cray lard buckets. The berries settled quickly, and Mama picked an extra quart to top off the full buckets. By 9 o'clock, the sun was high, and I struggled to the house with my four gallons, eager to wash the chiggers off and eat some cereal. From picking blackberries, I learned about money. I wouldn't eat the berries, even on my cereal. I wanted the money. One summer, I picked 80 gallons and earned $80, much more than Mama made in a week when she worked at the Merritt Clothing Company. Granny said food was everything, but I was hungry for something else, a kind of food that didn't grow on the ground. Yet I couldn't deny that we were always feasting. We ate sumptuous meals, never missing dessert. Once in a while, Daddy brought home exotic treats, fried oysters and little goldfish cartons, or hot tamales wrapped in corn shucks. At Christmas, the dairy, the dairy he drove for produced jugs of boiled custard, and we slurped gallons of it, even though it was not really as good as Granny's, which was naturally yellow from fresh country eggs. And on it goes. It's oh, a, see, it's that's, a very that's agrarian. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this wonderful, without being sentimental or overly romantic, it's this really beautiful picture of an agrarian life mm. in the mid mid 20th century so that's that's clear springs by bobby ann mason that's a really good one uh and it's just it just reads so beautifully and she's still living still writing uh and so that's kind of fun to to, to kind of get to know an author who's still still doing good work uh and then uh the novel which you guys may know uh 
but it's a great novel by Willa Cather, the novelist uh, who actually has a history in Pittsburgh. She lived in Pittsburgh in her early 20s, and she's mainly known for her Nebraska novels, and her novels are sort of the, the prairies like My Antonia and O Pioneers, but she wrote a beautiful novel about the Southwest called Death Comes for the Archbishop. Hmm, I don't know and this. It's, uh, it's about, the main character is a guy named Jean-Marie Latour, and he's actually based on, uh, it's an historical novel, and his character is based on uh, a, a wonderful European bishop who comes to the Southwest in the 1850s, and uh, uh, he is founds this this bishopric there and uh, eventually builds that beautiful cathedral in Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico. Uh, and this is this is a novel, even though it was written in 1927 at the height of the modernist era that was in a lot of ways, of course, very cynical. And you know, I talked about Hemingway last time, uh, just a lot of despair. This is a novel that in some ways looked back uh, with sort of an unflinching appreciation for these heroic characters in the West and their adventures. And so it's kind of an episodic novel. It doesn't really have this great big arc. It just sort of takes the characters through a number of different little vignettes and episodes. And, and it's also really a story of friendship between these two priests and how they live out their life so faithfully in New Mexico. So uh, Death Comes to the Archbishop is, is one of my favorites as well. Good, very good. Okay, I like it. So Clear yeah. Springs yeah. by Bobby Ann Mason, Death Comes yeah. for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. I'm posting all of these yeah. on Facebook, so find us there, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. And uh, there's a uh, click there to Goodreads so you can go on and see what the book is and then decide for yourself where you want to buy it. Outstanding. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, okay, so I got, I got. Before we go, I got, I got a poem for you, Kathy. Oh, great! To, okay, no, know, wait, no, let, no, okay. yeah, yeah. Now let's set this up for listeners who uh, who weren't with us in in <laughs> April. So April, <laughs> April was a uh, National Poetry Month, yeah. And um, month. and early on, it was maybe the fourth or fifth day of the month. Um, I just want. Look, Colin, I was trying to be honest with the listeners, <clears> just trying, you know, to to say who that. I really am, Good. and say that I've just. I've always hated poetry. Always. Always yeah. have hated poetry. Yeah. With a capital H. I don't know if it's a capital H. <laughs> it, I mean, it felt see, like a capital H. See, now you're making it worse than it was well, now that you're talking about it in retrospect. Anyway. Here's the oh. poetry music. <laughs> the poetry music's good. No, I like that. Very nice. Yeah. So anyway, I felt badly about it, and then John outed me, and then made me feel worse by inviting you know you and Jamie Smith and Karen Swallow Pryor to like come on and say you know oh my gosh how could you be a literate intelligent person and not like poetry? Anyway, so I committed to read one poem a day for the month of April, yeah. and um, my oldest daughter this was like her dream come true because she's wanted me to like poetry pretty much since she was born, and I've just never given in. Anyway, she sent me a poem every day, and I. I also accepted, you know, suggestions from John. Sure, sure. Jamie sent me a couple. Karen sent me a couple. Colin's about to give me. Listen, I finished the month. I like poetry. Yeah. I mean it. I mean it. I. You're, you're, you're doing great. You're I'm doing telling great. you, I, I really, I, I feel like I'm growing. I, when I look back and I, I made a, a record every day of the poem that I read, and I went, a couple of them, I actually, I know this is breathtaking have sent to other people. <laughs> I mean, when, <laughs> I sent a, when I sent a poem to my daughter, she was like, oh my gosh, what's happened to you? Who are you? But I, I am. it slows me down. Of course it does. 
and it it's very they're very beautiful and i think my problem was just not being able to get in the right mental place to appreciate them hmm. okay it's language well, of a different time. i remember the day the day you said that i i, I remember that i thought that's such an insightful way to recognize what poetry requires of us that that you really do have to to give yourself uh, sort of some space and some, it's, it's a very meditative process. I, one of the things I love about my job here is all the smart people I get to be around. Mm-hmm. And we have our poet in residence here is a guy named Eric Potter. He's got a great name for a poet. Really? Uh, and, uh, and so I've learned so much from Eric about poetry. And this is a poem that he uh, introduced me to a few years ago. So, uh, it's a Robert Frost poem, okay. and uh, and it's about this time of year, okay? And, okay? and it's a very short poem. It's beautiful. It's called Nothing Gold Can Stay, okay? All this right, I'm ready. Poem. Wait, do you, do you want, do you want music? Wait, wait, hold on. Do you want music to go along with it? Uh, no, that I, I would prefer, I don't think, I think Frost would be scandalized by Oh, we, we don't want to scandalize you know, him, so, for be sure. Pure. <laughs> be the purist <laughs> yeah. that you are. Exactly. Oh, we you. want you to be who you are. Go ahead. Uh, okay, here we go. Here we go. So, Nature's First Green is gold, her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaf is a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. <sighs> and I think about that. That's you know, beautiful. we've been longing, especially up here in Grove City, and we've been in April. You know, was the green ever going to come? You know, my oh. wife always talks about that electric green yep. that finally climbs the hillsides, uh, you know, around Portersville. And we're driving south to Pittsburgh, and we see see that. And I think, wow, look at it, catch it, because it's, you know, before you know it, it's going to be in full leaf, and the petals will mm-hmm. all be down. And, and uh, so, so this is my favorite time of the year. We're pretty much now you know, full-on spring, yep. but, but that, this poem always reminds me of that wonderful electric green that uh that that sort of marks the coming of spring so so anyway that's nothing gold can stay that's wow that is that is really lovely dr h colin messer is the chair professor of english at grove city college so colin like uh, most colleges i believe right the uh the term is over the year is over a little um little downtime perhaps for some students and faculty as well i'm just kind of curious you know as Kath talked about this sort of slowing things down. As you have a new generation of students with you that are raised on their smartphones and Twitter accounts and Instagram, do you see that in the classroom that students are too preoccupied or their attention spans are too short to dive deep in literature like, you know, perhaps you and I and other listeners have done so in past generations? Well, I I think to – you know, as Jamie would say, I think, you know, it is, it does take practice, uh, and you have to be really intentional. And I think we all have to, um, you know, we all have to kind of be aware of, of sort of habits and, and things that we're doing that we're not even aware of. Uh, you know, I, I ask my students when they come to class to sort of buy in and say, look, hey, let's for, you know, twice a week for 75 minutes, let's, let's motor down our laptops. Let's just have the novel. Let's have, you know, the poem. Let's have a notebook and a pencil. And let's really try to create a, an environment that, uh, at least for me, is pedagogically most sound with no screens, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and that, that actually marks out that space as being really, in some ways, very sacred because we're much more present to one another. 
uh, and to the text, you know, which like St. Augustine even talks about that, you know, texts and, and books are our friends. We're supposed to show love and charity towards, towards books. And, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it takes, it, it just takes intentionality. And I think, and, and to not be passive, um, to, in, in the face of distraction, because it's, mm-hmm. um, it's you know, so, I don't e- know it's so easy. Feeling. It's so easy yeah. to give into. The screen. Oh, it is. Or also just to, to, have you ever had one of those mornings where you, you, you do, you so-called work all morning in terms of, you know, you answer three hours of email, but right. you really haven't done anything hard exactly. all day. Right. You haven't really focused or right. read. Uh, and so I'm, I'm so bad. I mean, I, I literally, I, I will hide my phone from myself and lock my computer in my office and go to the library here That's on good. campus and sit at a table with a yellow pad and a novel and try to try to just do hard work for three hours a day, you know, and, uh, and feel like they've really accomplished it. So, yeah, our students, but they're, they're here because that's, you know, they, they, especially our English majors, they, they're here because that's what they love and they're, they, they want to learn and grow. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm hoping for all of us, the summer will be a time where that, that some of that space will be available. You know? Well, we wish that space for you, too. Yes, well, we do, Colin. Colin, thank <laughs> you so much for being with us. That's uh, Dr. H. Colin Messer, Chair and Professor of English at Grove City College. If you're interested in the uh, works he brought up for your summer reading, let's find us on Facebook, The Ride Home. Johnny Cathy. I'm Robin Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Every mattress has two sides, so why only use one? If you're considering a no-flip mattress, this is your wake-up call. Two-sided mattresses last much longer, so why is it hard to find a mattress that flips? At Original Mattress, every orthopedic mattress flips. Why? Let's just say selling a premium two-sided product that only lets you use one side doesn't fit our values. Don't let them sell you half the mattress at twice the price. The Original Mattress Factory, thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Selling mattresses the traditional way isn't the best way. Most are made in a large factory and shipped hundreds of miles to a retailer's warehouse, where the retailer then marks them up and up before finally selling and delivering them. At the Original Mattress Factory, we take a straightforward approach. We have eliminated the extra steps and created a direct line from our factory to you, saving you hundreds of dollars. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original The Original Mattress Factory. Individual results may vary. My daughter was really sensitive. She took everything personally. She had a lot of trouble in school. He had some impulsivity issues that I was concerned about. He had trouble making friends, having a lot of meltdowns, a lot of tantrums. I feel like all I did was yell at my kid all day. What Brain Balance did was give us a very distinct game plan. This is what he has. We're going to get from point A to point B, and this is how we're going to do it. We started seeing huge differences in her behavior. His focus in class and how he retains the information that the teacher is talking about is just remarkable. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. There is our life before Brain Balance, and there's our life after Brain Balance, and the two don't even resemble each other. It's a totally different life. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. Are you a beauty club member yet? In this club, we believe there's nothing more beautiful than being real. That's why at CVS Pharmacy, your beauty club membership brings you real-life deals on the latest on-trend beauty obsessions. And now, when you spend $30 on beauty, you get three extra bucks rewards. That's beauty in real life. 
Join Beauty Club today, only at CVS Pharmacy. Offer valid until June 30th. Restrictions apply. See circular or cvs.com slash weekly ad for more details in store or online. You run your HVAC unit more than you run your car. But would you go a whole year without servicing your car? Prolong your unit's life and avoid expensive breakdowns with Pellis Heating and Cooling. Pellis will service your system to keep your unit running strong. Of course, if you have an emergency, a Pellis tech is available 24 hours a day with after-hour calls returned within 15 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. A severe thunderstorm watch is in effect until 9 p.m. this evening. Showers and heavy thunderstorms will be in the area through that time, and any storm could bring flash flooding and damaging winds. We'll stay mostly cloudy late tonight with a low of 59. Pleasant tomorrow with partial sunshine, a high of 76. Here to partly cloudy tomorrow night, a low of 53. And sunshine Thursday with a warm afternoon and a high of 83. Mackey Weather Meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. Michael Woolworth is with us from the Bible League, and we are moving ever so close to our goal of 5,000 Bibles from all of us here at Word FM into the, to the darkness of which is Africa. Michael, welcome again. Happy that you're always with us. Hey, John, great to be here. And I really appreciate your listeners. They are among the most generous listeners in the world, John. They get this cause, and, and it's good to know that we are moving toward our goal of 5,000 Bibles. Wonderful. So, Michael, you, not that long ago, were in Africa, were able to see up close the work that's being done. Um, and it's not an exaggeration to talk about a spiritual battle that is happening in Africa, yes? Let me tell you about uh, some Christians that we are serving right now in Zambia. You know, we talk about millions of uh, Christians right now in Africa without a Bible. It's so hard to get your arms around that. But let me t- let me tell you about uh, 200 right now in Zambia praying for a Bible. This is their story. You know, uh, Zambia is the country that was served by uh, the famous missionary David uh, Livingston in the 19th uh, century. Uh, this place, when it rains, uh, John, uh, the, the roads are basically impassable. But there's a group of about uh, 30 families, 150 to 200 Christians right now, that have come through Bible League's discipleship program, and we promise them a Bible on the end of that. They will they speak the uh, Bimba language, and they're praying for a Bimba Bible. Here's what's happened. They have two Bibles in their possession, both of these in the Bimba language. They kept one intact, so the pastor of that congregation, a man by the name of Samuel, could continue to preach the Word of God on Sundays. But they literally, John, have unbound uh, a Bimba Bible. They passed this. Uh, they, they passed the uh, pages out to about 30 different families. They asked them three months ago to go ahead and, and write down a book of the Bible. They hand-wrote it. Now, this is a difficult thing in Zambia. Why? No doubt. Illiteracy can be as high as 60% among adults. Now, thankfully, many of these had come through our Bible-based literacy program, and so while they were learning to form letters and words in the Bimba language, they were also being introduced to Jesus. Now, they didn't quite get a Bible in that program, but again, they've come through our discipleship program, and we're promising the Bible on, on the other end. Here's the problem. Heavy rains over the last three months have kept us from reaching them with these Bibles, and that's what prompted them to unbind that Bimba Bible and to pass out the pages, ask their families to come back a week later, shuffle the stack, if you will, and continue handwriting these scriptures. Now, let me ask you something. Is that desperation for God Boy, it sure that is. you would unbind a Bimba Bible in a country where Sunni Muslims are in a minority? But I can tell you, John, they are violent, and they are pushing for Sharia law. 
They hate the fact that the Word of God is gripping the hearts of former militant Muslims in this country. And I'm telling you, they, they do not know what the week brings, these believers. But I can tell you, more than anything, they're praying for the Bible. I talked to Samuel not too long ago, and the question for him was, Brother, how can we pray for you? You really live out your faith in a difficult place. And this man is hunted down, John. He is a marked man where he serves, not merely for what he believes, but for how he lives out his faith. And you know what his response was? Pray that our love for God would only increase. Pray that our love for others would increase, and that we would see these Sunni Muslims not as our enemy, but as our mission field. Can we get the Bible to these 200 Christians right now? These are members of our spiritual family in the country of Zambia, in Southeast Africa, more than anything, including an end to the persecution under which they live every single day. They're praying for a Bible in the Bimba language, and you can send it today. Please join us right now. Won't you pick up your phone and call 1-800-670-9110. That's 1-800-670-9110. One Bible is $5. Now, you can send seven Bibles for $35 20 Bibles for $100. Now, if 100 of our listeners right now would send those 20 Bibles, we would make that goal. And this village that Michael Woolworth is talking about, they would not have to handwrite their own copies of the Bible. Everyone in this village, these 200 people, would get their own copy of the Bible. Of course, they'd go through Project Philip and ensure that they would have good Bible knowledge before that Bible was handed over. But this is the essence of what the Bible League is doing right now. Your help is greatly needed and so deeply appreciated. Join us. If you know, use, and love your Bible, pass that along to a brother and sister in Christ who would love to have their own Bible, so much so that they're writing their own copy of the Bible, one page at a time, one 800 670 That's one 800 Online But the excellence, the importance, the eternal consequences of the work that the Bible League is doing right now, your help is necessary. Be that conduit to send the Bibles into Africa. These places, people are just crying out for their very own Bible. If you know it, you love it, you use it, the Bible, pass it along. 1-800-670-9110 or wordfm.com. Thank you so much. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496 to talk to a certified counselor. They met with me, and they were able to get all of my credit cards in one lower payment. Trinity was will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. They did help me learn how to manage my money. Now, you know, we have a house, and we're doing a lot better. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. My name is Holly, and I am debt-free for keeps. 1-800-936-5496. 
Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds, with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you need to make your retreat a success. With 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org. You know, it's hard for us to say no or wait. Hi, it's Mike with Bible League International, and what a joy for me to be in studio last week on the Two Days of Hope, sharing what God is doing in Africa and giving you the opportunity to become a Bible sender. We're holding open the floodgates because there's a great need for Bibles in Africa. We know we can't solve this for every Bibleist Christian on this continent where Christianity is growing fastest in the world, but where it's very, very difficult to get a Bible in your own language. But together, Bible League and Word FM have said, let's solve this for 5,000 Christians. What if we don't? Well, we'll need to circle back to them and tell them no or wait. And that's hard, knowing they've prayed many years for a Bible. We want to be able to say, those Bibles you're praying for, they're coming. All it takes is $5 to send a Bible. Would you be generous and call 800-670-9110, 800-670-9110, or give it wordfm.com today. Today's world craves leaders, leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at RamaChristianSchool.org. talking a little earlier in the show about Harold Camping, who in 2011 said it's going to be the end of the world on May 21st. But then the world didn't end, and then he said his math was off. Right. So he recalculated a second date. And then it was a September date. And then the poor man passed away. However, May 21st has become, for those hipsters... National Rapture Party Day. Mm Mm-hmm. Which we missed. I'm so sad about it because it was yesterday. Yeah. But we didn't want to let it slip by because it's just the kind of thing that we would enjoy <laughs> reveling in. We would, wouldn't we? Yeah. And so we we uh, we talked earlier about some of the best like post-apocalyptic movies you could yeah. see. Mm-hmm. But since then, I've had opportunity to think of several others that, more. I'm, There's e- more that, along I'm, the way. that I'm eager to share with Why you. Why is that so appealing to people? I don't know. I think the idea of being stripped of the things that are comfortable to us mm-hmm. and then being forced to like recreate how to live and work it out and yeah. get, I think that's just, and to see if human relationships would be irrevocably changed because of that or if people All would that. just be people. Yeah, I don't know. I remember being a kid, like a little kid, like six, mm-hmm. and hearing something like you know in the distance and it scared me to the bone to to no end i thought i said to myself this is the end of the world i don't know where this came into my mind you know what it was what it was the next burrows over fire whistle <laughs> <laughs> that scares an edgeman <laughs> rankin oh i was rankin like fire whistle that's i like oh my god please god uh, you know <laughs> i was like End of the world. No, it's just a fire. There's a dumpster fire, John. That's all it is. Just relax, buddy. It's not here yet. Okay. That's attention-filled childhood. 
You hear the fire whistle and go to Armageddon. Holy heck. With no, no stops in between. They'd have, they'd have medicated me if I was a lot, you know, doing that today. They would have. All right. Um, we talked about T2, but we didn't talk about the original Terminator. And you can't have a T2 if there's no original. I mean, no, the, I think not. the original might be the best. I think so. Too. I mean, yeah, setting yeah. up that story, that whole world is so fabulous. Yeah. And I loved who was the woman who who did the pull-ups while she was Linda, in prison? Linda Hamilton. Yes. Oh, I let me tell you how I wanted to be. Oh, of I kind you of did. still want to. I liked her so much. Yeah, she was a rock star. Yeah, she was making it work. Because when you see like a woman like in a tank top like that, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Who's like cut and yes. really able to bring it. Yep. You go, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Plus lady. she was raising a warrior. Mm-hmm. She was busy raising yeah. a warrior. Uh, well, she she was doing um pull ups. Pull-ups. Uh-huh. Have you ever, ever, ever done pull-ups? Uh, I have done pull-ups. Uh, one collectively over my entire life. Because Excellent. that's how hard it is. It's harder. I, I mean, I'm not trying to give myself an excuse. It's okay. harder for women to do pull-ups. Yeah, I'm okay. sure. Yeah. But I am particularly bad at mm-hmm. them. But, you know, there there are women who are Marines. Well, and, and I saw Linda Hamilton, so clearly it's possible. She can do it, yeah. I'm just lame. Just don't feel bad about yourself. It's okay. I wanted to share with you some you, other post-apocalyptic movies. You have other strengths. I do. Don't worry about it. Other post-apocalyptic movies. Okay, I'd like good. To share yeah, with yeah. Um, how about Hunger Games? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the fir- Again, I like the first one the best. I did too, but I liked, I liked the whole series. Yeah. Although it was super dark. It, it was. Holy smokes. It was. But I, did your I kids liked... read all those books? Yes. Yeah, mine, ours did too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, City of Ember is kind of, it's like if you've got little kids. City it's of a, Ember? City of Ember. I've never it's heard of it. A, it's like a, uh, a story about some, it's like society is lit by, by lights and all the lights are going down. Okay. And so they have to find a way to rejuvenate their light okay. supply. They're going to be in darkness forever. I've got one. Uh, I think it's called Children of God. This was out. Children of men. Children of men. Yes. That they are not able to have babies. Right. That's a good movie. Yes, that's, that's very that's thought-provoking. Isn't uh, the guy you like in that? Yeah. Oh, Is I it? love him. <laughs> Children of men and that guy. <laughs> Hi, I'm John Hall, and I'm deep into middle age. And if you're middle age, you know exactly what I'm talking about, my friend. What's your name? Uh, I don't know. Children of men. There's, I forget who stars in that, but I think it's a guy you like. Oh, love him. Listen, I'm just trying to help. That guy. Okay, how about 10 Cloverfield Lane? Oh, I saw it. I love that film. Yeah, yeah. John Goodman. Yeah, it's a weird movie. You don't know what is happening, shook literally, up. until the very it's end. All shook up. You have up. no idea. It is, I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. How about um, The Time Machine? Is that... Um, Rod Taylor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With that crazy machine, it's like a little sleigh, right? My, yeah, my dad took me to see that in the theater. Oh, did he though? Yeah, that I've was seen that that's on HG TV Wells. Several times. Yeah, yeah exactly. I really. What about Total Recall? Is that Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. what the heck's up? His whole career is built built around that kind of stuff. Yeah, because he's the only person who'd be big enough and strong enough to survive. <laughs> Arnold will save us. All right, what about uh, this? Is a TV show, but what about Lost? I have such mixed emotions about that oh, show. Oh, I know. To me, I, I wish I had all the hours back I watched that show. Seriously. There's a lot of hours. It sucked me Did in. Did you watch Lost, Mike? Absolutely not. It oh, sucked me in. It was so good. Wasted their time I loved it, it so much. No. How about Dawn of the Dead? Dawn of the Dead. Uh, I never saw that. Oh, didn't you? No, I Filmed never did. Filmed them Mall. <laughs> what are you kidding me? That must have been inspirational it's then. The J.C. Penney's there. Mike, what's the movie you brought up? Oh, The Book of Eli. Yeah, Great. tell us oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's post-apocalyptic, and it's it's guy about taking care of the last Bible ever written on Earth, and the guy that's trying another guy, the, the villain that's 
trying to find the last Bible is trying to destroy it. Whoa. So I have, why have why have I not seen that? How many about three four years ago? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Three four. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm John Hall. I'm deep in middle. <laughs> you know, I got a good hold on the sixties, the seventies, yeah. and some of the eighties. Oh, After that, gosh. it's all downhill. I'm sorry. All right. How about nineteen eighty four? Uh, William Hurt. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. That I mean, uh, I'm saying. What that year is that? I'm saying. Oh, seventies has to be. Was it? Yeah, Again, that is. I mean, if if you're looking to be completely disturbed and wigged mm, out, yeah, I would yeah, recommend yeah. 1984. It has it, it really makes you think, but it's pretty tough to get through. But um, okay, here's a TV show, and the apocalypse is different in this. But the man in the high castle, you which, love that show. Oh my gosh, made for TV by wait, is it Amazon or Netflix? Amazon. I started to watch that. I couldn't, Amazon. Couldn't oh my gosh, it. I loved it. But the apocalypse is that uh, Germany and Japan won World War II. Flipped over. Right. And so America lost. And so they've divided up America. It's fa- it's absolutely fabulous. Okay, we'll take a break. Come back. Stick around. That's not the end of the world yet. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through, like making sure they're buckled up the whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. Hey, welcome back. Happy that you're with us here today. Okay, so we covered a lot here in today's show, didn't we? We started off talking about seven ways the Christians can affirm a positive future for Palestine. Which is a really interesting interview oh, if you missed so that too. at the beginning of our four o'clock hour if you're interested in the israeli-palestinian conflict and you want to hear someone with what i think is like a spot-on christian perspective on mm-hmm. on both sides um really challenging uh check out our podcast john yeah. and com. and then we talked about the legacy of the bible or scripture in the latino protestant church which again i was like Didn't who knew anything about i had no idea we also talked uh, about uh, our summer reading list with uh, Kath, took voluminous notes. Mm-hmm. You'll find those on Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, mm-hmm. H. Colin Messer from Grove City. Yeah. And then we delved into apocalyptic movies, End of the World. Yeah, because we're uh, celebrating, I mean, it's a day late, but we are celebrating National Rapture Party Day. Yeah. Yeah, because, and then just, you know, a way that you can do that instead of like doing the math like Harold Camping is to, you know think about post-apocalyptic movies what, what is, about what about 12 monkeys someone darren uh just suggested that that's a pittsburgh product actually 12 monkeys is terry gilliam okay um and if you watch that film which i do not recommend it's really really disturbing 
However, if that's your genre, like we're talking about, mm-hmm. then it's worth a peek. Um, there's a lot of Pittsburgh actors in it. Hmm. Okay. Was it filmed here completely? Uh, I would say most of it was filmed here. It's one of those things where okay. I think the, uh, the, all the exteriors were shot here. Then they went on a soundstage somewhere like in Toronto. Hmm. Yeah. So if you were choosing, would you go to watch a po- 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 post-apocalyptic film? Or is- <laughs> well... <laughs> Now you put it like that, probably not. Listen, I'm the saying. one speaking, and you're the two people looking at me and laughing. <laughs> you could have tried to say it. Well, my grandma used to call a bag a poke. Poke apocalyptic. <laughs> oh, nice. Poke apocalyptic. That's good. <laughs> the end of the world in a bag. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yes, I would. Okay. Because so I just so think that they're kind of weird. I know. You're, you're attracted to that, too. I don't know why yeah. that is. I mean, I loved Lost. I never missed one single episode end. of Lost. Then I got ripped off. I know. And then all of a sudden, so like, wait a minute. We are in purgatory? What? I, didn't Come th- on. I thought you said we weren't in purgatory somebody, like three years ago. They're being too clever for their own good. <sighs> you know? At least with a movie, you got two hours. You don't have to spend like 48 hours <laughs> of watching somebody ramble <laughs> Yeah, but you never even along. watched the finale. You no, got I was all so the upset. way to the end and didn't watch the I'm finale. How do you get all the way to the end and not watch the well, finale? You know, I don't want to cut my losses. Like right now. Hey, thanks for being with us. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.